Thank you, God. God is good all the time, isn't he? Every single time. <laughs> every single time. Everything that we go through, everywhere we go, everything is ordered by the Lord. There is nothing even the enemy doing that the Lord is unaware of. It doesn't mean that the Lord is pleased with what he's doing. He's not pleased with sin and he's not pleased with the devil's work in this world. But the Bible says that he works all things. He's using everything. He's using all things together for his good, for his glory, really for, it's for our gain, whether we realize it or not. And it's for his glory. Amen. Just want to bring you somewhere fresh today. Believe the Lord's got something brand new and fresh for you today. And God is always good. He's always, always, always using whatever's going on in your life for your good. And I want you to look. We're going to look at a psalm today. I want you to look one of the most famous psalms of all time at Psalm 23. And I just want to read just short chapter. We're going to read straight through it. And I'm going to read it in a traditional, read it in New King James. And in Jesus' name, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. I have it here too. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. Let's just read this together, every one of us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy, come on, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All the days of my life. That means... Come on, David was one of the most <laughs> afflicted characters of the word. He was afflicted for many, many years, and yet then this comes out of his mouth. Goodness and mercy follows me. Surely, Lord, that's what I want to follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And there's really the key is that right there. Before I even get into this, that's it. Verse 6. Goodness and mercy, you want it to follow you, dwell in the house of the Lord. You stay close to the Lord. Where's the house of the Lord? Is it this building? Is it NNC? <laughs> it's inside of us. We are the temple of the Lord. And then the New Testament tells us, do not forsake the gathering together of the believers, right? So there is still then a gathering of temples Lord, Lord, right? The Lord is in me and he's in you and we come together as his body, but we are the temple. Individually, you are his temple. Corporately, we are his body. Amen. And if we will dwell 
in that place. That means there's a place internally that you must dwell. There's a place inside you. Come on, if we, I don't want to go through all, it would take you weeks to truly study out what the temple was. And now if it's gone internally, what that means. But within three seconds, not realistic, but very quickly, he has, the temple was clean. It is holy. It's the place where the sacrifice is offered. It's the place where your offerings are offered. It's the place of the end of sin and the beginning of cleanliness and holiness. And it's the place where God's presence, his protection, his provision, his blessing, everything is all right there. His promises inside of his temple. And that is inside of you. And if you let the fullness of the temple, you let the fullness of what the temple was meant to be happen inside your life, you will always have goodness and mercy. Amen. God is so good. I'm never going to get tired of saying that. And uh, the Lord, the Holy Spirit gave me a line for you. I don't sit down and try to think of clever lines for sermons. Um, I just go to the Word well, some people may. I'm not making fun of them. I just telling, I'm not saying that I'm better or worse than anyone else. I just don't sit and try to think of ways to be clever. I just get into the Word. I sort of spending time with Him, and sometimes lines come, and sometimes they're just my own head, but I knew that this was the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said, be led by Him, be fed by Him, and don't get ahead of Him. Come on, I'm going to say that again. Be led by Him, be fed by Him, and don't get ahead of Him. I want to talk about in this week and most likely into next week about the good shepherd, about Jesus being our shepherd, Jesus watching over us, Jesus caring for us. Jesus knows best. Come on, the Bible says, Psalm 23, verse 1. Man, I could just read these first four words, five words, and then camp here for the rest of, the, of, the, of today. Everybody, let's say that out loud again. The Lord is my shepherd. That's enough right there. That's enough right there. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The whole rest of 23 is based from this statement. Everything else in 23 is anchored to this statement, the Lord is my shepherd. We need to understand that the shepherd knows best. We are sheep. Just raise your hand. I'm a sheep. Let's just be honest and just get that over with. I'm a sheep. Now, sheep are known, they are known to be dumb. Now, animals are actually very, very smart. I'm not sure where the whole dumbness fully comes from because if you watch animals sneaking around and figuring out how to evade their predators and how to get the food and water they want and so on, animals are very, very smart. I give them more credit than the world gives them, than some of the world gives them. But compared to the wolf that's hunting the sheep, the sheep is dumb. The sheep's just looking for food and water and it might figure out how to get it but it's not necessarily as aware of their predator as the predator is aware of the sheep. But the shepherd is. Come on, everybody say, but the shepherd is. Also, the sheep 
can only find green pastures where maybe it found it before. Come on. The sheep can only find water where it found it before. Or what will happen is if the grass dries up and the water dries up, what will an animal do? It's going to go looking for more, which it may find. There are wild sheep. Actually, they live right here in the U.S. Did you know there's U.S. and the uh, U.S. sheep out in our mountains out west? They live way, 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 way up in the top of the mountains. And they will go and try to find more green, more water. That's really all that they need. They just need food and water. That's all the animals do. They eat, they sleep, and they mate. And then that whole process starts again. Eat, sleep, and mate. But what will happen is if the area dries up and there is no food and there is no water, just the course of life, the course of nature, the course of once we came out of the garden and sin began and the curse began on this earth, then the food chain began and famines began and uh, dry times Flood times, I just read about a flood down in South America and it hit a whole bunch of different farms and 2,000 sheep died from a flood. So things happen in the natural. Everybody just say, things happen. If you are left to wander, it doesn't mean that you can't find food, you can't find water on your own. But when you're left to wander, there is a chance that before you even make it there, you may die. And God is so good to you that he put a shepherd over you. Come on, there's some parallels. We can, look, we can look in Psalm 23, some things straight up, natural. We can look at the sheep and look at the shepherd because God gives us that analogy, but then there's also greater than that. We don't have to look at every single facet of what being a sheep is and, and what a normal shepherd is because it's a supernatural thing he's talking about. Because in John 10, we read about Jesus saying he's the good shepherd. But Jesus said, I lay my life down for the sheep. A normal shepherd does not lay his life down for the sheep, but Jesus does. Jesus is the type of shepherd that will even die, come on, in your place. He will die to protect his sheep. We have a good shepherd. Everybody say, I've got a good shepherd. Got a good shepherd. And he is watching out for your best interest, not his own. God is all good. God doesn't need anything. He has everything. He is completely and totally satisfied in himself by being God. And yet there was still desire in him, even being God that was looking for companionship in Adam and Eve. He created Adam because he created all the animals and then there was still something else. He wanted this companionship. So he created us for the purpose, even though he's God and satisfied within himself, he is still God, but he loves you. He wants you because he wants you. He doesn't want you because he needs you. I, I don't want to get, a play, I don't want to play on words. He can, he's still God. He doesn't change his Godness, but he wants you because he wants you. I think that's greater than needs you. Come on. I don't want Dawn just to need me. I want her to want to be with me, right? She doesn't just need me to go and work to pay bills. <laughs> she wants to want me to be around. <laughs> so want is greater. Come on, he wants you. He loves you so much. We're never going to get tired of saying how much Jesus loves you. 
Jesus loves you and he wants the best for you. That means no matter what, come on, say it out loud. No matter what I go through, no matter what it looks like, no matter what he does in my life or where he takes me, he has my best interest in mind. Always. <laughs> Always. God is so good. The Lord is my shepherd. We can look, there's so many passages, and it says in Ezekiel 34, just quickly, talking about the type of shepherd he is. He's not just an earthly shepherd. He's not a shepherd raising sheep to harvest them. Come on. An earthly shepherd raises sheep. He protects them so, so carefully because that's his harvest. And there's an aspect to that that we are God's a harvest to him that you know, he's protecting us because he wants us to make it to the end. But he is not looking just to, for us to satisfy his, his hunger, but yet he is greater than that. He's a greater shepherd than an earthly shepherd. It's for us. He is a supernatural shepherd. It says that I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be, in verse 12, like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. Verse 13 says, I will bring them back home. It says in verse, and I will feed them, and I will give them places to drink. And in verse 14, I will give them good pasture land, and they will lie down in pleasant places and feed in lush pastures of the hills. In verse 15, I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace, says the sovereign Lord. I will search for my lost ones who strayed away, and I will bring them safely home again. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak, and I will destroy those who are fat and powerful. I will feed them, yes, feed them justice, and I will rescue my flock and they will no longer be abused. The New King James says they will no longer be prey. And he says, I will judge between one animal of the flock and another, and I will set over them one shepherd. This was a prophecy of Jesus, Ezekiel 34. Prophecy of Jesus, I will set over them one shepherd, that is Jesus Christ. And even me, we have a term, it's not in the Bible, but I'm not opposed to the term. It's called under-shepherd. And the picture is because Jesus is the shepherd, and I'm shepherding a group of people, but I'm directly answering to him because you're not my sheep, you're his sheep. <laughs> so there is one shepherd and I get to be part of it. That's where word pastor means. I'm pastoring you. I'm leading you uh, in places that he's leading me to lead you to because he's the shepherd. My servant David, referring to Jesus, he will feed them and will be a shepherd to them. Amen. Isn't that incredible? Talking about the shepherd we have. And there's more. John 10, 11, as I reference, he said, I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. He's beyond the natural. The natural shepherd, when hard times come, when push comes to shove, he's going to try to protect those sheep. But if the wolf is going to overtake him, he, uh, the natural shepherd at some point is going to have to give in to his losses or just, just come to terms with his losses. 
whereas the good shepherd will go to the end. Jesus will go even to his death. He already did it. It's already done. What he's talking about is already finished and fulfilled and satisfied. And he's the type of shepherd, it says in John chapter 10, verse 3, the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He is the shepherd and you are his sheep because you have heard him call you. Who heard Jesus call you? Maybe it wasn't, it wasn't your name. Come to me. Come to No Name Church. Or, or, or yes, this person on the street that's ministering to you, get saved. But you knew inside you, this is right. Something was pulling you and drawing you to the truth. I don't know what I've been told before, but it was all a lie. And Jesus is the truth. Come on. Amen. So it says that my sheep, they will recognize my voice and come to him. And that's why we've come to him. And it says he calls his own sheep. He does call you by name. I just said you may not have heard it like that, but don't get into your head. It's a spirit thing. He calls you by your name means that he knows you. It is you personally. And he calls them out. And it says in verse 4 that after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. So Jesus calls you and he leads you and he walks. Everybody say he walks ahead of me. If he walks ahead of me, then where should I be? Behind him. And it says, and they, everybody say, and they, that means me, (laughs) I will follow him because we know his voice. Where's Jesus's voice? Jesus can speak. You know, Jesus still does, there are still dreams, there's still visions, there's still prophecy. Whatever you've been told that that disagrees with that, that's a lie. There's no scripture that says that any of that ended. But his voice is 99% of the time spoken through his word. In fact, if you've had a vision, if you've had a dream, you've had a prophecy and it doesn't line up with his word, it wasn't God. God speaks through his word. His word is his voice. There's a spiritual thing that calls you, but what is the first thing that happens? When you get called, I want to know this voice that called me. Where do you go to find him? Many of you then join a church, go to a church. Why? Not so that you become part of a social club, but so that you will learn about this voice that called you. Amen. We follow him. The point is here is that he leads, we follow, and we need to listen to his voice. His voice is his word. And when we stop listening to his voice, we have stopped following him. Say that out loud. Come on, I want you to believe me. When I stop following his voice, which is his word, he is no longer ahead of me. I got ahead of him. And then when I get ahead of him, I get into all kinds of trouble. (laughs) He said, yes, verse 9, I am the gate, and those who come in through me will be saved. They will, come and go and, they will come and go freely and will find good pastures. See, if we follow him, we follow him and he gives us good pastures. It's our own best interest that he's looking for. The thief's purpose, everybody say the thief's purpose, right? This is the wolf, right? It's in, directly in reference here. He is speaking about the devil, but... The reference here to the sheep, we should think of the predator, the wolf, the bear, the lion. 
and they have come to steal, to kill, and destroy. But my purpose is to give them life and life abundantly or a rich and satisfying life. Jesus came to give you life. The enemy is prowling about seeking whom he may devour. The wolf is looking for that dumb sheep. But guess what happens when a dumb sheep follows a smart shepherd? (laughs) Come on, guys. Let's just, come on. It doesn't matter how dumb you are. Because we have the smarts of God. (laughs) We have the wisdom of God leading us. That means you could be the dumbest sheep in the bunch. And it is irrelevant. It's irrelevant. It doesn't matter how smart or dumb you are. That is irrelevant. Because he is leading us. And he is looking out. See the shepherd, he gets up on the cliff. And he's going to look out. And he's going to look for that land. Where am I going to lead these sheep? The sheep feel like they're leading themselves. You ever see that it looks like the sheep, the shepherd's just following? He's not, (laughs) sometimes, you know, sometimes you ever see that in the picture. Sometimes he's literally, he's still ahead of them. Whether he's behind them or in front of them, he's leading them. They think they're going where they want, but he looked ahead, way ahead of time. Come on. He looked way ahead of time. I, watched, I was watching all kinds of videos, real-life shepherds, videos on shepherds out there, even in Israel itself. And it's a very dry climate. This is interesting. We talk about lush pastures because it's very dry out there. There are seasons. It's much more seasonal there that you're going to have the lush, pa- lush pastures. That's hard to say, all those S's. But God is looking ahead. Come on, he's looking ahead of you, and he's looking. He can see. He can see what you can't see. He can see the predator up ahead. He can see the water. You think, this is fine for me right here, God. This is fine. We don't need to go any further. Why are you driving us through this dry area? But he's looking beyond. He's looking beyond you. He's looking beyond. And in fact, maybe it looks to be amazing, but that's where the wolf lives. Maybe this area looks incredible, but that's where the wolf lives. And he, you see an area ahead of you and it doesn't look as great to you. But God says this place will sustain you. All the food you need, all the water you need is going to be over here. And we don't have to worry about him over here. Sometimes the world looks so lush. The world looks like it's going to give you everything you want. And sometimes coming into the Lord, it looks a little dry over there because you're looking with your natural eyes. And the Lord says, yeah, this looks green, but this is where the wolf and the lion and the bear lives. And let's just avoid him altogether. Come on. <laughs> I just see the Lord, man. He is so, he's, you know, if we're sheep, then he's going to have to talk to us like sheep, like children. Remember what Jesus said? You can't even come to me unless you come like a child. Because if you try to come in your smarts and in your wisdom and you got it all figured out, I promise you, son, child, I love you the same. I don't love you any less. But if you think you know better than me, you're going to miss it. I know better. I'm the shepherd. You're the sheep. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. It says, I shall not want. The NLT. It says, NLT in uh, Psalm 23, verse 1 says, I have, everybody say, I have all that I need. You have all that you need, not because of what he gives you. 
Who knows that? Who's heard that song? It's on the Christian radio right now and says, I want the savior more than the saving. I want the healer more than the healing. Anybody know, anybody hear that song on the radio? You have all that you need, not because, see, I don't even want to read verse two yet. Not because of where he leads you, but because you're with the shepherd. This is what we need to get as Christians. It's not what he gives you. That's not your sustenance. It's because you're with him. I mentioned it some weeks ago. Jesus is dealing with the woman at the well. The disciples went to go eat. They come back. Jesus, you've got to be starving by now. <laughs> Jesus said, there's a food that you don't even know of. The food you're not even aware of. And while they were gone, what they don't even know, he's just talking to her about a water that she would never get thirsty from ever again, living water. There is life in Jesus. There is life staying in God's presence that bypasses the natural. It bypasses the natural. It bypasses your fears. It bypasses your plans and your purposes and your will and your way and all of your thoughts and all of your gains and all of it just by being with Jesus. He is all that you need. There is nothing and there is no one else that will sustain you. Jesus is all that you need. Let me say that again. There is nothing and there is no one else. There is no other God besides Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no way to the Father but through him. Amen. It says, I lack, everybody say out loud, I lack nothing. I lack nothing. It says in Philippians 4.19, it says, and you know this from the New King James NLT, they both say something very, very similar. It says in the NLT, the same God, Paul's talking about God was taking care of him, and he says, my God, or the God who takes care of me, he will supply all your needs from this earth and from you working hard and being a good Christian. It's not what it says in your Bible. I got the cut and paste translation up here. I got the let me rewrite it however it suits me translation here. It says, from his, the riches and glory by Christ Jesus or the glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. There is a glorious riches in Christ that is not riches. <laughs> My God, I don't think you guys believe me today. He will supply all your needs from his glorious riches. Or in the New King James, it says, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. What is the key, though, to this entire verse? Through Jesus. By Christ Jesus. Through Jesus. If you want to be supplied for, you can supply for yourself. That was the curse. The curse was, Adam, you're going to sweat to supply for yourself from now on. I took care of everything. You didn't need anything. 
There was no lion fighting the lamb. Lamb being afraid of the lion. They all sat and even talked together. (laughs) But the curses that you will now sweat, you're going to labor. And Jesus freed us from the curse. And I mentioned some weeks ago, that doesn't mean you won't sweat and you won't work, but we're working for different things now. Like Paul said, you know, I'm a tent maker, but this is a means to an end. I'm going to take care of myself to supply some, some, some things, but I'm not trying to build a kingdom here. I'm not trying to build a name. I'm not trying to build anything here. I want to build the kingdom of God. And Jesus just takes care of me. He'll supply all your needs by Christ Jesus. So finally, then, let's move into verse 2. If he's already got it in himself, then it really doesn't matter where he leads you. It doesn't even have to look green. I watched a video yesterday of a guy. He was showing this there's a mountain in Israel called lush pastures. It's literally called that, but if you look at it, it is brown. It is dry. It is rocks. And, I, and Mark Twain actually went there in the 1800s and said, I saw uh, an interesting species of goat and sheep. They eat rocks. Now, what he didn't see from a distance was that a mist comes off of the water, just enough moisture in the cool of the evening, and the little bit of shade around the rocks causes sprouts. It looks like nothing from a distance. It looks like nothing from afar. But they come and they eat the little sprouts one, one by one. It doesn't matter if you have green as far as you can see. I mean, Jesus said it. Okay, you filled your barn and now you're going to build another one. Now it's, your life is called of you. You're going to die. Remember that passage in the New Testament? It doesn't matter how much you have. All that matters is that you have what you need. Because you can have extra and extra and extra, and it really is irrelevant. Your life may be called on you like that, like Jesus said. But they have what they need and what looks like nothing. It looks like nothing. The world looks at you and says, nothing. I don't, there's nothing. They're going to see the light. They're going to see the glory. They're going to see the joy and the heart and stuff coming out of you. But it's like, but if they just look at your Christianity from, the, and from a natural point of view, and, they don't, and they're not looking at the fruit, they're just looking at you and saying, who are you? Then they're surprised by you being so sustained. <laughs> How are you so filled with joy in such hard places in your life? Come on, amen. Who can testify? But he leads us to green pastures. He leads us to the place where he sees best to bring us because he is the shepherd. Everybody say, I'm not the shepherd. (laughs) Say it again, because I don't think your mind believes you. (laughs) I'm not the shepherd. He is. That means he's in control. He knows what he's doing. We love to help him. And I know this is like, I preach all different types of of sermons and from all different passages, but it ends up coming back very often to this theme that God is God and we are man. 
I can't help. That's the word of God. That's what it is. But yet he loves us so much and cares for us and will take care of us if we will just rest and let him. That's the simplicity of the gospel. Just lay down our stubbornness, put down our weapons, just put down the walls, open up our hearts, open up our eyes to him, open up our ears, et cetera, et cetera, like the word says, and just let him be God. Then he's got your best interest in mind. It says in Psalm 37, verse 18, day by day, the Lord takes care of the innocent and they will receive an inheritance that lasts forever. They will not be disgraced in hard times. Even in famine, they will have more than enough. Did you hear me? Even in famine, they will have more than enough. Because our sustenance does not come from ourselves. It does not come from this world. It does not come from, the Bible talks about the lusts of the flesh. And what that is, is it's, is, is not a man looking at a woman. That's a different type of lust. Lust of the flesh is that it's the you thinking like, I'm going to become, I'm going to be, I'm going to do, I'm going to gain and make something of yourself. And it's that this world could somehow give it to you, which is a lie. But we look to Christ. We lay down our flesh and we rest in him. And the sheep, it says... They lie down. Come on, he says, he makes me lie down or rest. Everybody say, he makes me rest. We have to rest in him. He brings us to a place of green pastures and peaceful streams. And the Bible, when we talk about a sheep, this is interesting. I didn't know this. I've seen deer do this but that the sheep have to lie down to digest their food. If they just keep eating, (laughs) they can actually kill themselves. They'll just keep eating and eating and eating, but if they lie down, then they... They chew the cud, right, like a cow. It's a little bit different, a little bit different for them, but they ruminate and they bring it up and they just rest and they chew up what they ate over there and now they let it digest and chewing up in their stomach and so on back and forth. Sounds lovely. (laughs) But I was just thinking that it's so much like what the Lord tells us to do, truly resting in Him, truly resting in His Word. The Bible tells us, He told Joshua, you want to make your way prosperous, don't let the Word out of your mouth. Wow, that's amazing, Lord, because over here you're telling me that we're like sheep, and over here you're telling me don't let the word out of my mouth. I think these two things go together. Don't let the word out of your mouth. That means he's going to put it in you. Come on, he puts the word in you. You don't need to be going and just chewing, 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 chewing. You need to just stop and rest (laughs) in him and just hang in him. And there can be, instead of a search for knowledge, instead of a search for more, instead of a search to go and to find and to be and to do, stop and just rest in Jesus and just let him be Lord. Let him start to speak to you. Sometimes we're even pursuing him, even pursuing God, we can go everywhere. We can just go do so much searching for God that we don't just stop and realize that he's right there. Who's ever been in that place You were searching so hard, and Jesus was like, will you just lay down? (laughs) Just stop. 
That doesn't mean you're searching everywhere you're searching was Christian, but you were in a searching mode. You didn't even know what you needed to search for. Later on, he revealed to you it wasn't all him, was it? It was all in a pursuit to search, but Jesus actually just says, you don't need to worry about searching. Come on, I'm not telling you don't scour your word. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there's this pursuit that we need to go and to do and to be, and we can bring that into our Christianity. We can bring our striving into our faith. This is interesting. This was a worldly way. We strive to get ahead, but then when we come to Christ, we don't strive anymore. We rest in him. That means that you will be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. But we don't, we say, no, no, I'm not going to leave that to fate. I'm not going to leave that to chance. I'm going to make my way. And you can try and you can try, and you can try. Come on, there's a song by secular artist Kobe Calais. I don't even listen to secular music, but I, Lord put this song, made me hear this song, and says, it says, you can try, 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 try. You can try, 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 try. She says, but you just need to get up. Don't try to become, don't try to do We just need to rest in Jesus. We need to let him uh, just start to speak to our hearts. We need to let the word come up into our mouth and start speaking it and just rest. And the Bible also says in peaceful streams. And there's so many, uh, and I'm I'm breezing through some of these things because I don't want to, um, I will whatever. I have some multiple thoughts at the same time. I'll get to those another time. Peaceful streams. I don't want to get off on a tangent. Fast-flowing water uh, for a sheep will drown them. They can drink from running water, but they don't like rapid water. So it's not peaceful streams. It doesn't have to be completely stagnant. You don't want stagnant. You want a little bit of running anyway because it's clean water. But from really fast-flowing water, that gets up into their nose and it will actually drown the sheep. And also, if they get into it and it catches them off guard, their wool will actually weigh them down and they will drown. And so what the Lord does is he brings us to a place of peace. (laughs) Come on, as humanity, especially New Yorkers, we love the fast-flowing brooks. We want the rapids. We want the waterfalls. The Lord's like, that might look fun. That might seem exciting. But one second in that thing and you're going to be gone. Devil knows what he's doing. Overload you with so much so fast that you don't even know what happened to you in your downstream. Come on, who's been there? Unfortunately, God brought us back, didn't he? But Jesus said that he has living water, right? And I referenced this a few moments ago. John 7, verse 38, there's rivers of living water. There is living water in him. And I just want to spend the next five minutes on this thought. I read a commentary, and this was the commentary for just verse two and three. It said, when we allow God, our shepherd, to guide us, we have contentment. Everybody, listen. When we allow him to guide us, we have contentment. When we choose, everybody say choose. So when we choose to sin and go on our own way, however, we cannot blame God for the environment we create for ourselves. The Lord is leading us into places that are peaceful. 
He's leading us out of the chaos and into peace, into rest. And But when we reject him and we go our own way, thank you, Lord, not like I prayed last week, but he leaves the 99 and goes after the one. Thank you, Lord, that you do come and find us. But we get ourselves into places that we put ourselves in. And it says, the commentary, our shepherd, he knows the green meadows and the peaceful streams that will restore us. We will reach these places only by following him obediently. Rebelling against the shepherd's leading is actually rebelling against our own best interests. We must remember this the next time we are tempted to go our own way rather than the shepherd's way. There's our way and there's the shepherd's way. And we can look and say, I'll go find the green pasture. I can find that myself. I can see it right over there, Lord. I can see the water right there, Lord. I don't need to wait for you. I got this. I know what I'm doing. And the Lord sees what you cannot see, that there are dangers out there that you aren't even aware of. And to be led by him, sometimes even to a place that looks dry and arid, but everything you need is right there. And it's for your own good to protect you. And I just, the Lord started to speak to me and showed me a mother and a child. And just in this next couple minutes, and it gave me a picture. We think we know what's best for us. But when a child feels hungry, think of a little child. I want you to picture yourself or if you have children, a little child, and they're hungry. When a little child is hungry, what are they hungry for? Vegetables? A little child says, I'm starving. I'm starving, and you say, well, here, I have a plate of broccoli for you. I'm not that starving. You want ice cream? Yes. You do not have to twist a child's arm to give them sweets and treats. But you have to force your children to sit down to eat what's good for them. Who's had to force your children? Who's a bad parent and doesn't force your children to eat vegetables? That's not doing them any good. <laughs> Long term, it's going to be malnutrition children. <laughs> it might be easier because they're not screaming in your face, but long term, it's not good. <laughs> Eventually, they're going to have to learn to love it. It's just part, that's just part of life. You're going to have to learn to love it. Just like exercise, you're going to learn eventually, okay, I have to, otherwise they're going to lose my heart. I have to. The parent says, after you eat your vegetables, the Lord just started speaking to me and said, after you eat your vegetables. That's what a parent, a good parent doesn't say no. Good parent says after. Who's done that as a parent? Or who can remember that as a child? Your parent said, after you eat your vegetables. See, God is so good, isn't he? He's not afraid. See, everything, really, there's nothing that he will withhold. But he sees what's best for you but we see, we see want, and we translate it as need. <laughs> we 
We translate want as need, but he sees the real need. Whether you understand it or not, you can sit down with your three-year-old and give them a science experiment and show them why the science of this vegetable works in your little body, and they don't care. Not only do they not care, even if they could understand it, come on, they still won't care. Because it's not even their understanding that is the issue. It's the maturity. You're not even, it's not that you can't understand what this vegetable does in you versus what sugar does to you over time. It's that there's a maturity that says, I love ice cream. I love sweets. I mean it for real. I'm not just saying that. I do enjoy sweet things. But then a maturity says, I want those things, but I can't, that can't be my only diet because I know what that will do to me. And so God is a good God. The child, the, the father says, this is what I know you need. But then what happens with the, with the child? The child has a temper tantrum. The child even thinks that the parent is cruel. You're so mean. I hate you. Come on, I'm, I'm laughing, but I'm also, also grieving. Because people, when God gives people what they need instead of what they want, it's a grieving thing in my heart. It's funny, because we can picture the picture, but I'm also grieving because I can picture the people that said, I hate you, God. Or they point their finger at God every time God doesn't do what they want but he's actually doing what they need. God, you failed me. God, where are you? They think their parent is depriving them. And meanwhile, the parent understands malnutrition, rotten teeth, really bad habits as well. If I give you this first, then you're always going to want it first. I'm, you know, as a parent, you'd be like, I don't really care. I don't, I'd love to give you ice cream. I love ice cream too. But if I teach you that you can have this instead of vegetables, then that's all you're ever going to want. Once you have a taste for the world, the taste for the word is bland. People say church is boring. People say being a Christian is boring. It's not. Who, who has learned as an adult? Come on. I know there's a lot of adults not going to agree with me and you're wrong. But vegetables are delicious. And, what, and the good, even real, maybe it doesn't matter if you like fish or beef or chicken, whatever, but real food is actually delicious. But you have to learn to teach your taste buds that that's real and that sugar's not. It's not even real sugar. I don't have time for that. <laughs> you know that. You saw the commercials. But God knows what's best for us. And he didn't even say no, but he said, not right now. Come on, many of you, the Lord has said, not right now. He's teaching you, he's training you, he's got you in a place where he's made you rest. And this is for the rest of the church too. I hope those of you that are listening out there, whatever day this is this week, but many of our church could be listening to this this week because they couldn't even be here. And that's for you too. I know the Lord's speaking to you right now just to rest in him. And he's saying, as your parent, I know your needs. And he said, I'll even give you some wants too. Some, come on, some wants. A parent that gives their child all their wants is spoiling their child. Too many wants. 
Too many wants will cause you to grow up hating what your body needs. And the instant satisfaction is not healthy. Come on, instant satisfaction. Who as an adult just ate one too many donuts or had one too many scoops of ice cream and found out that it wasn't so good after all? You find it out the hard way. You realize that wasn't that good. Instant, there was instant satisfaction on your tongue. There was an instant satisfaction. The Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season. Come on, but its end, what is its end? It's destruction, it's death. There's an instant gratification to this world and to, and to what our body wants, into what our mind wants and what our flesh wants, but it's not nutritional for you. Your stomach, and this is my last lines here, your stomach may have had the sensation of a met need. Wow. Your stomach had a sensation of a need that was met. It felt full. <laughs> and it could and it can be it might be no good for you. And yet you had a want that you thought was a need. You gave it what you thought you needed instead of what the father was giving you. You had the sensation that I got what I needed, but all you got was a want, and now you are a spoiled, rotten baby with rotten teeth, with a stomach ache, <laughs> and so on. The Lord knows what we need more than we know what we need. He is the good shepherd. He's more than just a shepherd. He's laid his very life. He, he's like, listen, you guys are not going to get this. I wish there was another way. I even prayed to my father three times for another way. And I know you're just not going to get this. I've only got one choice, but to lay my very life down to show you how much I love you. I don't know how else to show you that I love you. I'm just going to, I'm going to have to give my everything to show that I love you. So that now, will you please just listen to me? I know what I'm doing. I found myself in the last weeks telling people, I know what I'm talking about. Just listen to me. Trust me. I know how to do this. Listen to me. I'll, I'm showing you how to do such and such. Listen to me. This is the best way because I've done it. I figured it out. That's the Lord saying to us, let's stand before I put you to sleep. Thank you, Lord God, for your glory and your grace. Lord God, your mercy, Lord, all of it is surrounding us, Lord. You have taught us, Lord from your word, and you're teaching us daily, Lord, moment by moment, second by second, if we will lean upon you, Lord, and rely upon you, Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that everything that we need, Lord, is in you, that our satisfaction, Lord, is not temporary. There is a deep place in us that only you can satisfy, and we, Lord, will not be satisfied by treats, and by lollipops any longer, Lord, I thank you, Lord, we are not just immature children, but you are growing up, Lord, what your word says, the full stature of Christ, mature believers, Lord, and it starts right here, leaning upon you, resting in you, relying upon you, looking to you and you alone, Lord, that you know best, in Jesus' name, amen, amen.